Welcome to the PM Power Podcast, where Darren Hunter from Inspired Growth Training interviews some of the world's best property management experts to give you real solutions to the biggest issues property managers struggle with everywhere. For 25 ways to control office interruptions so you can slam through more tasks faster, go to pmpowerkeys.com. Hi everyone, Darren Hunter here. You know, in today's age, you can't just have boring photos on your property marketing listings. You've got to have a virtual walkthrough tour. That way tenants can quickly qualify themselves and look through the property even at two in the morning online. But I can hear you say, look, Darren, it's too expensive with cameras and takes too long. That's why you've got to go to virtualtourscreator.com.au and check out how you can do walkthrough virtual tours using your mobile phone. Go and check it out. Also, talk to Tom there at virtualtourscreator.com.au on how you can quickly turn your tours into really cheap floor plans as well. Take care. Hi everyone, Darren Hunter here and we're with a PM Power podcast show with Jackie Skeen today and we are really going to get in deep on how to stay away from the tribunal. Now before we get Jackie involved, and a big hello Jackie, thank you so much for coming on board and let's just go a little bit of a deep dive into your background. Now you've been in property management about 10 years, now you are running your own rent roll from home, well done. Um, that is certainly the uh, the model where I feel a lot of the uh, property management is going. Um, now you're working in your business is called My Logan Realty. Now that already tells me a lot about the type of business that you're doing. Now people don't know out there in Brisbane, Logan is a low socioeconomic area. Now, Jackie, you've told me that you've only ever really in the last ten years worked property management in low socioeconomic areas. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Logan and Ipswich mainly. That's the um, that's where I've been pretty much the whole time. Okay. So now you told me when you first started 10 years ago, you were in, uh, in Tribunal, which in Brisbane is called QCAT. And, of course, in New South Wales, you've got NCAT and there's VCAT and Victoria and there's SACAT in South Australia. Our Western Australian colleagues have court um and new zealand has their own tribunal as well so we've all got our own version of what we call tribunal but you are in um with the same type of demographic of 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 housing you were in tribunal regularly 10 years ago but jackie you told me something amazing which is really what this podcast is all about you haven't been to tribunal once with the same demographic of tenant for the last six years now that is amazing i take my hat off to you i've never heard of that before of a property manager working low socio and not actually going to tribunal in six years so just a massive congratulations from me Mm. yeah it's um well something interesting so my first like three to four years of my career i went 40 times so pretty much as you know the senior in the portfolio or the property manager with an assistant that would be your responsibility and yeah just every month sometimes five six times a month and then you'd have nothing for a while and um yeah very experienced as in going there but then I feel like you know what I've learned becoming more experienced in communicating and property management like you don't actually have to go that's not actually that is the worst, absolute worst case situation. 
that we can be in because it's really out of your control. It's up to the adjudicator on how they're feeling. And, you know, we've all heard of cases when we're like, oh, you know, this poor owner, the tenant's 80 days in arrears and the adjudicator said they can stay again. It's like it's out of your control, which I don't like. (laughs) So, so Jackie, I I think um, we obviously with this here and we're going to set up now the structure for this podcast and really do a deep dive. Um, let's talk about Tribunal now for a little bit about my background, everyone. There was a, a two to three year period in my previous life, right in the 90s, where I did full-time property inspector position. That's all in-going inspections, all outgoing inspections, all routines and full-time Tribunal hearings for a rent roll of 500 properties. No different from what Jackie in, in, in the northern suburbs of Adelaide, which are pretty hardcore low socio. And so I was in the tribunal all the time, but doing files on behalf of the property managers, I would be doing, oh, my job was doing all the road work. All right. I was the guy that jumped in the car, the property managers are in the office all the time. So um, there was a lot of stuff, you know, particularly around two main areas, which are rent arrears and bond related matters. They were the main two. There may be a other breaches or, you know, like a person's just smashed up the property and we have to get an emergency eviction or something like that. Very rare situation. But Jackie, let's, before we get into all that little deep dive, let's talk about the trouble and the problems of going to tribunal because we need to paint the bleak picture. Everybody, you want to do all you can to not go to tribunal. And Jackie, I think you're a great role model there of we've got to do everything that we can to avoid the place. Now, um, let's talk about the problem. Because it is the the last end reactory result, isn't it? It is yeah. the end of the road. It's the end of the line. It's the it and and for me, I remember tribunal for me was get the file out, prep the file, all the reading done on it, and jump in a car, drive forty five minutes, park, walk ten minutes, um, book in at a registrar office sit down for another 15, 20 minutes because they're late. Now, I know other places like West Australia, that might be now a three-hour sit-down in a big yeah. line, um, yeah. and then go in before, a, you know, you don't know. It's a lucky dip. Who you hear is going to be, whether they're a good or a bad one, whether they like you or they hate you, um, you know, whether you've got a good reputation with them or a bad reputation, sit down, tenant shows up, or they don't show up, and then 20 minutes later they ring up, hey, I'm still on my way, or, and it just... Problem after problem after problem after problem. Now, they were the ones I was doing when I was inspector, but what about the ones that were mine? When I got the advice in the post that a tribunal hearing has been set three weeks ahead, I'm already feeling stress and anxiety about it. You know, sure, yeah. I always had anxiety and I, I, always, I would have sleepless nights on these things because I hated conflict. So, um, What's your what's your take on on tribunal? When you think about going to tribunal, what are you thinking that of the pain that you want to avoid? Yeah, exactly. Like all of those things times a hundred, because especially when you're just doing portfolio based management, you have to. So obviously, there's been this whole dispute. You got to print off everything. You got to make three copies. Uh, you know, in Queensland specifically, there was a period where you would lodge for a urgent um, eviction because of rent arrears or whatever reason, and you don't even have a date for six weeks. And then the date's two months in advance. And then you go there and you sit there all day. And then, you know, there's been times, there was one time when I had an assistant prep the documents for me 
The notice to leave was issued on the day that the breach expired, not the following day, got thrown out at 67 days. It's completely out of your control. It's a waste of time. It's um, just everything. It's totally can be avoided in maybe 99% of the cases. So there's just nothing positive and it's just completely out of your control. It is. And if we can do whatever we can to go, I am not going to allow this situation to end up in tribunal, then we want to yeah. do everything that we can. So let's just now talk about rent arrears and late rent. Um, and because that, for me, was the bulk of the reason why I'd ever go to tribunal was because... You know, we've hit what we call a Form 2 in South Australia. We call them Form 2s or termination notices. You know, that's been served. The tenant hasn't paid. Now I've got to go the next step um, after that form has actually expired. And, um, you know, what a, I remember putting up a meme some months ago, probably a couple of months ago, around about Christmas time. And I'm always yeah, doing social media that, that gets attention. And it was... Um, February, February evictions, and this is Christmas time, February evictions occur because the property manager was not persistent enough at Christmas time. And if you go back to the Inspired Growth Training Facebook page and go back to that Christmas period, I think it was maybe before Christmas or just after Christmas, I put that there. I got hammered. Yeah, and I saw it. So yeah. unfair. You're trying to say that, you know, we're at fault if the tenant doesn't pay their rent. And I was just slammed and slammed. And I put a, a little bit of my two cents in there, but I just stood back and I thought, yeah, just let them fly. A lot, a lot of anger, a lot of upset. Um, and my point is, is that early intervention is our best friend. And I remember doing, um, Jackie, a, um, a three-hour training on serial late rent offenders and what I call... Um, zero tolerance rent control. I had a three hour session just on that. And I did it at the Real Estate Institute of Adelaide one day in South Australia. And I had a room of about 30 people and two particular ladies came to me after that session and thanked me. And mm. my training's pretty in your face. It's, it's pretty much, it is very much zero tolerance. Mm. And I had two ladies come up and said, Darren, we work for the government. Just want to say thank you. Because they're part of um, the, um, the the bond guarantee side of things. They give the guarantees for the people that can't afford to pay their bond. Mm. And they've got a rule that if the tenant has a bond guarantee with that particular property manager, the property manager has to let them know two days if the tenant's in arrears. Mm. And once they know the tenant is in arrears, they're immediately knocking on their door. Because what they realize is the war is won or it's lost within that first seven days of a tenant getting behind. And if we're not quickly onto the tenant real, real quick, and we allow it to get more than seven days, then we're very much at risk of it going past what I call the point of no return, which is yeah. where tenants realize, shit, I'm so far behind now, yeah. I can't keep up. I'm, and they're heading for the cliff, which is eviction. Now, and it's too far gone. So my point is, we're back to that meme again about February evictions. If we're really um, into using the analogy of stamping out cigarette butts at, mm. at the point that they're on the ground and smouldering and putting the minimal effort to stamp out then instead of waiting for that cigarette butt to then ignite some trash or something nearby which ignites into a bushfire. And a lot of property managers are fighting 
the battle at at flame stage when it should be at smoldering cigarette butt stage. Yeah, and, for sure. Um, so over to you, Jackie, because I've dominated so far, but, you know, you, you talk about communication. Yeah, yeah. I'm massive on relationships and communication. The relationships I have with my tenants, like I would – I will never, I'm going to put it on the record. You will never see a one-star review from my agency from a tenant because we will negotiate and speak to them and resolve it. So with the, you know, taking over some managements recently, quite a few of them have been 16, 18 days in arrears when I've inherited the management. And um, the first thing I say to the tenant is like, you know, I understand shit happens. Sometimes you lose hours at work. And I make them feel really heard. I make them know that because the point of rent arrears, and, you know, it does happen in Logan and it happens everywhere, but in low socioeconomic areas where there's probably not as much education financially for them to manage their money, um, then, you know, if they feel like they can trust you and they can come to you, we, we resolve everything because they come to us and say, look, this has happened. I'm like, it's fine. You know, I understand. I'll let the owner know. And we are able to work it out with them so that it doesn't become a problem. I think the escalation where it goes breach, notice, leave, QCAT, one, there's probably not a lot of relationship there where the property manager doesn't have time for them. So the tenants don't know. They get become overwhelmed quite quickly with it, put their head in the sand and ignore you and you can't get a hold of them. You chasing them, you knock you on the door, whatever. They ignore you because they're ashamed and embarrassed and they don't want to have, because there's a perception in the industry as well that, you know, oh, this property manager is just going to take me to court and evict me where if there's a bit of empathy and I also work with a lot of organizations like Rent Connect and we help get them rental grants to fix it back up. And a lot obviously is dependent on the character of the tenant. If the character is, you know, they're trying to do their best and they've just lost their job or whatever it is, um, then, yeah, we and we also have like food banks where they might be able to go and get a basket of food for twenty dollars, and an extra ninety dollars can go towards the arrears. So I very much work with them, and that's a part of the um, early intervention part of it because it's about them feeling heard and feeling respected, where they're going to communicate when they're paying, and they text me and Jackie, I just paid fifty dollars towards the arrears. So very rarely does it even get to the notice to leave stage because we working out with them and the other part of the communication is just explaining that to the owner and just saying look she has just lost the job she's a single mom with two kids she's trying her best she's gone to Centrelink she's getting an advance in her rent we've put her in contact with Rent Connect we've taken her she's gone to the food bank um whatever they need and then they feel supported and it doesn't get escalated so there's a whole um I got heaps to say on relationships and communication because it's when you show empathy to a person and they feel heard and they feel like you empathize with them about their situation, because I don't think anyone wants to be in the position where they have no money in their account and can't pay the rent, then the whole, everything flips, everything changes because it's not about, oh, you know, early intervention as well. We got the most beautiful technology ever existed. Console cloud, like that's what I use. If they get a text message from day one, day two, day three, emails, it's all automated. So really all I should be doing is picking up the phone and making them feel heard on top of that communication. Okay. They know. So you're, you're probably putting in a layer that I 
personally, um, you know, never, you know, talking about empathy and things like that. Now let's just go back to using the analogy of the bases, you know. So base one is um, is breach notice. Base two is application to tribunal. Base three is tribunal. Base four is eviction. And you and I are talking, we don't even let people get to base one, okay? Because you're going to, if you're at base three, you're probably going to go to base four. And base four yeah. is such, can I just say everybody, eviction is such a bad thing. Um, yes. It is um, the, the, the worst outcome you could ever have. Because I, I remember doing, generally when we're doing rent arrears training with property managers, we like to get a, a workshop out and get on the board right from the initial issuing of the breach notice, all the communication with the tenant, going to tribunal, the drive time, prep time, stress time, calling the owner. The closer we get to base four, the more time we've got with the owner on the phone, they're getting more stressed. We're going yeah. back and forth to the property to make sure the actual tenant's there, still there, even if they're not communicating. And there's just so much time. We actually measured anywhere up to 32 hours. Oh, that, and that's meet the bailiff out at the property or whether they call it a sheriff or the bailiff depends on what state you're from. Then you've got to, in all the cleanup, the final inspection, meeting tradespeople out there like the cleaner, you know, to show them everything you want done, not just giving them a list. It just goes on. It's anywhere up to 32 hours. Now we've only got 40 hours technically for a property manager. We know a lot of them work more than that, but that is nearly a working week for one eviction. No wonder why we get stressed. So we want to do everything we can, people, to keep right away from base four. Don't even allow the tenant even to get the base one. And another comment I like to make is, is that being um, pro-zero tolerance and having a zero tolerance on late rent means the tenant, the tenant's children, everybody remains in a rental property. We're not yeah. allowing the tenant to get behind. Um, but if we're pro-tolerant, allowing the tenant to get behind because we're too nice about it or we just don't control the situation and allow it to get to base four, we are now pro-eviction. Mm. And, and the owner's the loser, the tenant's the loser, the innocent children are the loser, that really gets me, and we mm. as property managers are the loser too because an eviction is like a packet of cigarettes. It mm. takes years off your life. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I do appreciate your your mode around communication and how you said you'll never see a one star review from me. And that's a that's a big thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. I, I stand by it because I think that see the relationships I form with my, my tenants very early on, they're equally as strong as my relationships with my owner. Like another big call, I'll probably never lose a management to service that was in my control. You know, if they had unrealistic expectations that could be different but um yeah the relationship is very strong with the tenants immediately and that's why I'm extra I I go even one step way further with the tenant selection I very much rent on character and their personalities as well as you know the fundamental checklist ticks but I work with I only rent to people that I want to rent to for the next 10 years and with that attitude the tenants feel more secure because they're like, oh, if I just pay my rent and look after the place, I'm going to have a tenancy for a long time. And then it makes my job easier. So, um, yeah, it's like, could you hold other podcast episode on this for sure? Well, but let's just do a little bit of a deep dive on that because I think that 
tenant selection is everything. Yeah. If we don't get that bit right, everything else goes to crap. And we're probably getting to baseball pretty quickly, right? If we don't yeah. do the tenant selection correct. So let, let's get into tenant selection. You talked about character and mm. personality. And do I want to rent a property and have a long-term relationship, working relationship with this tenant for up to 10 years? That's yeah. quite a criteria that you're putting on yourself there. So let's talk about what are the sort of typical things that you're looking for that the average property manager down the road isn't? I'm looking for someone who's extremely respectful of my time, someone who's put a lot of effort into communicating with me their situation. And, you know, I love a good cover letter where they tell me their dog's names and they're very transparent from the beginning. Um, you know, someone who takes the time to have a conversation like if you give me a call, if I list a rental property and you give me a call and we have a really nice chat and bond, the chances of you getting the rental over anyone else is automatically higher because we've already built that initial rapport. Um, so I'm very conversationally based um, character profiling and I've done a lot of personal development in terms of body language and um yeah, the language people use and the tone and the everything that goes with it. So that's really helped with um, profiling tenants. Okay. Um, another thing I want to throw under the ring here, the, whenever I've done an eviction, you know, um, and certainly my last three years of being a frontline property manager, I had three evictions, I think, in three years or three landlord insurance claims or something like that. Uh, and the very, very first tenant that I actually selected, would you believe the very first one in that last three-year period, which is the last company I was with before I became state property manager, before I then became a full-time trainer and consultant. My very, very, very first tenant I selected right back uh, when I first started with that company in um, July in, in the year 2000. Um, I remember because the first day I started is the first day of GST. And that I, I already been out and signed up a new landlord that couldn't wait for me to start. So I saw him a few days before, signed him up, and his tenant um, turned out to be a gambler. Mm. She had she had a reasonable reference. Now it wasn't the best type of property. It was a fruit property because this was a regional town, out in amongst a fruit, you know, um, um, wine wine grape um, winery of grapevines. And um, so it's hard. It's like an old picker's quarters. And she turned out she was working, had a good job at Australia Post. She had a rental reference. Unbeknownst to me, she had a gambling problem. She was pilfering money at the post office out of envelopes, out of people's mail. She was stealing out of people's mail. She lost her job. She then ended up gambling her money. And there was nothing that was going to stop an eviction from happening. There was nothing that could stop it. Even mm. to the point where I rolled up at the property that right at eviction, I'd even um, been at the property with a bailiff. Um, he knocked on the door. She opened it like, oh, what are you doing here? Oh, am I behind in my rent? Oh, my goodness me. I didn't even realise and yeah. not one thing had even been packed. Like she completely had a head in the sand over the whole situation. From that point, I have to give her 48 hours to get her gear out. 24 yeah. hours later, 
She was still sitting in a bean bag, watching TV, eating popcorn, like, and I, I had to call all sorts of people to come in and help her get her gear out because she clearly couldn't help herself. Now, she was an example of an addiction that I call the vices. Oh. And, um, and the vices are people's addictions that cost money to feed. Gambling, in Australia, we've got a problem with cigarettes because cigarettes are so expensive. We've got drugs, we've got expensive living, um, and gambling is another one. And so I've always ever experienced an eviction is because of those vices. Mm. I've never actually ever evicted someone because they innocently lost their job, had a medical issue. Those people have always worked it out, worked with me, come right, they're true to their word, and we deal with it early. What's your experience in that regard, Jackie, with the vices? Um, you know, it happens. And especially in a low socioeconomic area like Logan, like drinking, um, drug use is very prevalent, alcohol, smoking, gambling, um, all of it. And then you got the whole other layer of like domestic violence, mental health. There's all types of different things. The mental health one is probably one of the biggest in terms of um, when it becomes really out of your control as a PM. So that um, requires very expert handling of the situation. But, you know, it's um, the, I think the point of the vices is the reason that it escalates and becomes such a problem is because people don't know how to manage their money and the system's not set up for people to know how to manage their money. So it's all well and good to have a drink, have a smoke, gamble, do whatever you're doing. But the point is they can't manage their money to also do those things and pay their rent. So that's probably the bigger conversation. And like, it's out of our control on, we don't have any say on what the tenants spend their money on um, and how they, you know, live to a certain extent that's out of our control. But what is in our control with that is um, having the relationship with the tenants. So they could, they trust you enough to call you and say, Jackie, I actually fucked up and gambled all our money at the casino this weekend what can we do to make this situation better? Like that's something really special and it doesn't, you can't get it with everyone, but that's pretty much the ideal outcome that is in your control as the property manager, because then you can like, maybe they fall behind seven days and then they pay $70 or whatever. If you have a plan in place and you advise the owner and they know it's going to affect their tenancy history, but you just got to work in with them to get the the desired outcome is that um, or maybe you allow them to break lease without penalty, depending on the market. If the market's hot, you know, you're re-rented in a week. Maybe you negotiate to do something like that or there's everything's pretty negotiable, in my opinion. OK, no, that's cool. Uh, certainly my experience is by the time a person gets to 14 days and the vices are involved, a personal, a personal payment plan just means nothing. You know, very rarely do they follow them um, because they're already behind, and there's a there's a habit that's in place stopping the payment from from occurring on time as well. Particularly, you know, in low socio. Um, let, let's let's keep on moving on. Um, let's talk yeah. about bond claim issues now, because the the biggest reason why we may end up in tribunal is to do with rent. Yeah. The other main reason that we may end up in tribunal, and these can get a bit messy, is people generally disputing bonds or there's some sort of dispute at the final inspection. 
Um, they're unhappy about this. So, so it's a bond-related matter that ends up at tribunal. What are some of the things, Jackie, you've put in place to um, to um, to stop you going to tribunal on, on issues like that? Yeah, like I said, uh, the everything is negotiable, you know. Sometimes shit happens and people, sorry if I'm spraying, I'm sure if it's not allowed, you can beep it out at some point. I'm sure um, a lot of other property managers um, have a square jar in their office just, that's pretty much This is just how I talk. I'm just very <laughs> real. So in terms of bond disputes, like everything is negotiable and there's two people we can negotiate with. We can negotiate with the owner and we can negotiate with the tenant. And, you know, being in the industry for a long time, we see sometimes we've taken over the management. We didn't do the entry condition report. They moved in. The property was filthy. They've moved out. They've done some cleaning themselves. You can negotiate on every single element in what we're talking about without escalating it. Your job is the mediator. You're the messenger and you're the mediator. So sometimes that's give a little, take a little, you know, um, work in the other third person that is your just saving grace in property management half the time is your tradies. Maybe they do it as a little cheapy for the tenant because of, you know, that you give them so much work and maybe they're prepared to do you a favor. Or maybe I've done this myself. Maybe I'm going and cleaning the things the tenant missed so I don't even have to have that, like not saying that's a boundary you don't really want to dabble into too much, but sometimes between the three of those people and yourself, nine, 99% of the time, if you're reasonable and like maybe with fair wear and tear as well, you give a little, you take a little bit. Okay, we're going to get this wall paint and patched. However, on this wall... Every single thing is negotiable. And I think if you're coming and the tenants will love it because you're actually working with them and you're making it clear, you're showing them all the negatives of like everything we've just talked about. We don't want to go to QCAT. It's going to be a waste of your time. You have to take the time off work. It's going to be stressful. You're going to have to lodge the documents. We've already blah, 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 blah. Just absolutely. Your job as the property manager is to influence the situation so that they think QCAT is really bad. It's, it's just the worst case. Let's really avoid that. Let's work in with the property manager and the owner. This owner's being reasonable. They've already said A, B, and C. Let's go back and clean those five things and end it. That's always, and if you just communicate authentically and honestly to the tenant and know your legislation and explain, well, yes, but on that original entry, that hole wasn't noted on the wall. That's not considered to be fair wear and tear. Um, one thing that also works for me is I use my experience to influence a situation. I'd say previously we had this and it cost this much to get done. Um, and also in previous cases, like, cause I went to QCAT so much when I was starting out, I've got a lot of cases where I can reference back mentally. And I'm sure a lot of people do in the industry. You can say, well, in a similar case than yours, we went to QCAT and the adjudicator found that that wasn't fair wear and tear and then the tenants were charged this. I'm happy to work in with you and get multiple quotes or if you know a painter, do you know a good painter? Like everything is literally negotiable in it and the point of it should be to negotiate within and sometimes that involves having a hard conversation with the owner and saying, look, I know you think it's the Taj Mahal but um, those curtains are eight years old there's no way that we're going to be able to claim anything for them. 
Um, I can try and ask for maybe $100 compensation from the tenant, which I personally think is reasonable. Um, how do you feel about just doing $100 compensation and we call it a day? That's that's great. Great point, Sarah. A couple of points I can add as well is just making sure that you have a tribunal fee um, for your owner, because it's not just the cost to go to tribunal, but also maybe two or three hundred dollar tribunal appearance fee, which will then de-incentivize owners that want to get nitpicky or on frivolous matters you know, on little um, wear and tear items. Look, Mr. Smith, we're arguing over 80 bucks here. It's going to cost me $250, for example, to take this matter to tribunal. We want to avoid that. Um, to help you with your negotiation that you're talking about, Jackie, which is very, very important. And you're talking about putting your, your hat on um, and getting creative with negotiation, which is fantastic. We, we've got to do everything that we can to keep well away from tribunal. Um, another matter I personally have with my own rental property just recently, um, where the tenant moved out, she'd been in there a number of years. Look, the level of wear and tear in the property was pretty good. I, I was very happy with that, but there was some um, uh, cleaning items that she hadn't done right. She'd rushed, yeah. she bought a home, moved out, rushed those things. And the, the property manager had to get the cleaning done a couple of hundred bucks worth. Um, and the tenant felt that she could do a great job with the rug doctor from the local dry cleaners um, to be able to do her own carpets. Now, just to jump in, I know in Queensland, you can obligate a tenant to get carpets thin clean. That is not always the law around the country. South Australia, Northern Territory, the tenant only has to leave a carpet reasonably clean. And, and you cannot legally enforce a tenant get it steam cleaned, even in the Northern Territory, if you write it into the lease that please ensure the carpets are professionally steam cleaned when you leave, you will be fined and penalised. So in this case here, we've got a crappy job done by the rug doctor on carpets. Um, it hasn't been done right. It was professionally cleaned when she moved in. and But she also had left some stains on the carpet, which the carpets were right at their 10-year tax depreciation, right? Right at their 10-year limit. The carpets are all in good condition, but there were some bleachy type light stains on the carpet, which were questionable, which we could have hit her for compensation. Mm. So we actually used those in negotiation. I said to the property manager, I said, look, I need to get the carpets clean. They should be cleaned. Um, and, the, and she needs to pay for the cleaning. But use the, the stains as leverage that we are not going to pursue that matter yeah. if she just then pays for the cleaning and the carpet cleaning. And she spit, carried on, and a few other questionable things happened with her dialogue, which she was being a bit irresponsible for. But in the end, she finally agreed she relented um, because we negotiated on the carpet. We used the carpet stains as leverage. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's how we got her to agree, you know, without having to go to tribunal because it just, you know, would have gone to crap. So, um, yeah, some, you know, very important things. Is there any other, uh, any other stories that you have around negotiation? Oh, I got, I negotiate everything. Lease renewals, like we, I might get shunned for this because I know it's a uh, taboo subject at the moment in Queensland and Logan. And this is, this property is actually on the Northern Gold Coast, but I inherited a management the client purchased the property with the tenant in place. Tenant's been there about three years. Tenant's buying a house. Um, like the rent increases that I'm doing are insane. We increased the rent from four ninety a week to six fifty. Wow. Um, 
Yeah, I know. And that's the that's that's the market. 650 is under market for this property on the northern Gold Coast. Comparable properties were 680, 685, 690, 700. So with that negotiation, it's very everything is negotiable. And that's why people pay us because we should be expert negotiators. So if you're not, there's personal development and courses and things that you need to do to fine tune those skills. So how I took over the management, um, the previous agency had pretty much done the typical issued a notice to leave because they'd not renewed the lease. They were only recommending increasing by $15 a week, which was just lazy in my opinion. Um, so I told to the, told the owner straight away as soon as I inherited the property. So the tenants were building at the moment and they still needed another six months before. They didn't want to move and they knew what the market was. So I said to, first thing I did was call the tenant. I'm like, hey, I hate to do this because obviously this is our first interaction, but we need to get the lease renewal done. This is kind of where the market's sitting at the moment. I know it's a massive increase, but in saying that with the rising increase, if we can justify it with the evidence um, that is found to be fair and reasonable if there's evidence supporting it. So essentially went back to the owner and said, look, market rent, if they were to vacate, 685. Um, let's offer a lease renewal at 650 and show the tenant that, yes, we are increasing it a lot, but we're not increasing it to the maximum. And I sent them a heap of links from realestate.com and also did a CMA, provided that and said, our, for us, we don't want you to move out because we know it would be extremely inconvenient for you to move out when you're currently building and we don't want to put that pressure on you. However, this is an investment property and for the owner's personal goals and property goals, we need to be achieving market value. And they signed within 24 hours. There was no issue. So, And I've got a whole list of stories with lease renewals. It's not always about negotiating for money as well. I negotiate tenant asked for a screen door six months ago. All right, we renew the lease at a $45 a week rent increase, but we're going to pay $440 for the screen door, which adds to the property and makes it more livable for the tenant. And things like aircon, like I literally, probably because I love negotiating, but I literally, we negotiate everything and we align those negotiations with the owner's investment goals for, because that extra $150 or what is it? $160 a week he's going to now be able to refinance. He only just bought the property. He's got instant equity as it is. He's going to refinance with that new uh, rental appraisal. He's going to be able to buy another property. Wow. So that goes into, and then you think about the bigger picture with that is he's now adding stock to rental availability, which is assisting with the housing crisis. Even though we are increasing the rent, like, look at the fuel prices. Everything's increasing. Inflation, that's a side effect of COVID and what they did with it is inflation. Everything's inflated and it's just the new normal if you want to go with that. So um, I think everything is very negotiable and I find it fun to negotiate. So that's a win. Jackie, I'm, I'm blown away. I, I, we will wrap up this podcast now. Um, in the, so empathy, communication, negotiation, um, is all about you know making your life easier um, to stay away from tribunal because I do agree you want to stay right away from tribunal the best property managers are the ones that, that never go to tribunal or hardly are ever there so um, yeah well, well done Jackie now if people want to reach out to you what's the best way to do that 
Um, they can just send an email. So if you go to myloganrealty.com, um, you can find my contact details there. And I'm very passionate. I think there's a lot of things in our industry that we need to raise the standards on and the burnout and all the issues that we see. I just don't think there are actually training and ways we can put things in place that can just revolutionize the industry in terms of burnout and, um, issues that people have they they're often avoidable but um i don't think a lot of people would agree with that but i think if you're prepared to develop and learn and learn new skills you'll probably find that a lot of your issues will go away so yeah get in contact with jackie at myloganrealty.com is that a .com yeah, .com. Cool. And uh, so, Lady Jackie, Jackie, great stuff. You know, really take my hat off to you. There's a lot of bragging rights you've got there, which means you're a master property manager um, that sort of stays away from tribunal. You know, it's been really good. Thank you so much for being part of the PM Power podcast show. Thanks, Darren. See ya. Take care, everyone. Thank you. Bye.